0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master, Plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see everybody out this morning. I hope you had a great holiday and a good happy Thanksgiving. For those of you here, I think I've already told most everybody, but those of you tuning online, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your family. Let me introduce myself. My name is Trent Cruz. I'm the lead pastor for Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. And Levi, can you hit that like for me back there, buddy? Uh, Number one. And we appreciate you tuning today. I'm glad you're here. Today we're going to be wrapping up our series on chain reaction that we began just a few weeks back. And we're going to do a quick review here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and start with those three laws of motion that we talked about once again and taking another review of that. The first law states that an object at rest or in motion will remain in its current state until acted on by another force. And we've said that over and over the last few weeks, that that is also known as uniform motion. And we talked a little bit about the fact that whether you're sitting still doing nothing, which I hope isn't you, hope you're doing something, Or you're you're headed on a direction in life. Now, you've picked that direction by decisions that you've made in your life. There's been several chain reactions in your life that have been caused by the decisions that you have made. And if you're on a road now that you don't like, the only way to change and shift that road is another chain reaction to take place. And that would be God Almighty, which is the chain reaction we're talking about here this morning. The second law states that the force of a moving object is equal to its mass times its acceleration. We talked about the fact that that determines the speed of an object is determined by mass, which is the force of gravity pulling down on that object. So however large or small that that object is, when it's moving in whatever direction it is, and the mass that's pulling down determines the speed of that object. And we talked about the fact that if you're carrying around a lot of baggage in your life, you're probably not moving that fast in any direction. So, what we need to do is allow God to come into our lives, cause that chain reaction to release some of that baggage that we've been carrying around so that we can move forward and faster in the direction that God would have us to go. The third law states, which is the one we've been talking about for the last few weeks, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, and that is also known as a chain reaction. And out, of, out of all of these three laws, that is probably the most common law that you would be familiar with, because they talk about that in school quite a bit, at least when I was younger. They hit on, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, when that takes place, it can totally shift the direction that an object is moving. And in that particular chain reaction that we've been talking about in this series is the fall of man and Jesus dying and getting it right. So Jesus was known as the second Adam. Before we continue, I'm going to go ahead and read our key verse, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll get into today's message. It's in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 18. It says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. And where sin increased, death or grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death... So also grace my reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and I ask that you just begin right now to speak your words through me, Lord. To those here, to those online listening this morning, God, I just pray that your word and your will will go forth through this microphone this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's kind of been our key passage. That's been where we've settled everything that's happened over the last few weeks. And if you remember... I just talked about just a second ago we're talking about the two Adams the first Adam is the one that was in the garden we've talked a little bit about this in our Wednesday night Bible studies we hit a little more on it this past Wednesday night and we talked about the fall of man the first Adam basically handed the keys of his kingdom over to Satan when he decided that he was going to disobey God because he thought maybe God was poking something out on him so so we get into that, we start believing that lie. And we talked a little bit, like I said, Wednesday nights have been lining up with this great. But that lie, we believe that lie that God's trying to hold something from us when actually God is trying to give us the best life we can possibly have. He's trying to see us prosper in life. So moving on there, it said that the first Adam got it wrong, but then it talked about through the justification. And the righteous act of one man, speaking of Jesus, who is also known as the second Adam, he came and got it right. And we've hit a little bit on sacrifices and things over the last few weeks. I'm going to try not to re-preach all of that. So if you need to check those out, go back and check those videos out online. But if you take a look at that, Jesus came, he died, he became the ultimate sacrifice for us to be forgiven of all of our sins. Briefly, we hit on the fact that the Old Testament, they used to have to sacrifice sacrifices. That's why there had to be an ultimate sacrifice. Those sacrifices covered up our sins for another year, covered up the Jews' sins for another year. Jesus' ultimate sacrifice of living the ultimate and perfect life is what saves us from this fallen dominion. So the first week, just a brief summary on that, we talked about faith. We talked about the Greek word pistis, which basically meant a belief or trust, but not just a belief or trust, actions based on that trust. And we used the example of the chairs in the sanctuary when you came in. You didn't just inspect that chair before you set in. You just had faith that that chair was going to hold you up. If you don't believe at the very beginning of this process, because we're going to tie it all together today and see how all this fits together. If you don't believe from the get-go or have faith that God can save you through Jesus' sacrifice, you're never going to accept it to begin with. Because you don't believe in that. We've got to get you to that point to believe. And that's why we hit on that the first week. So I encourage you to go back and check that out. But first we have to have that faith that Jesus can do something to shift our lives. The second week we talked about grace. And we talked about the Greek word charis. Which actually means favor. We said that grace can be interchanged with favor throughout the Bible. Because you don't deserve it. But God's grace that he sent was the sacrifice. Jesus died. Giving us that grace to be forgiven for what we've done. Last week we talked about righteousness. We talked about the Greek word the which actually means that we are, are living up to God's standards and that our relationship with God is right. But we are aware, as we went over this series and we talked, that we can't live up to that standard that God has for our lives. So what happens is we accept Jesus' sacrifice, his blood covers our sins. And at that point, we are declared righteous in the eyes of God. So no matter how imperfect we are, it's the perfect sacrifice of Jesus that declares us righteous in God's eyes. Today, we're going to be talking about new life. We're going to be in the next chapter. The next verse is right past our key verse. Romans chapter 6. We're going to start there in verse 4. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? It's a good question, right? Okay, well, I can be forgiven, so why not, right? No, no, no. This is what Paul says in verse 2. He says, By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And if you got your little notes this morning, that's your first play, new life right there at the very beginning, bottom, because that's what we're going to be talking about today, is that new life that we are offered because of Christ's sacrifice. So really, today there's not a whole lot of Greek to go over because they pretty much mean exactly what they say they mean. New is the word kainotes, which means newness. And life is the word zoe, which is the Greek word, which is used 135 times in your New Testament. And it simply means life. It can talk about a spiritual life. It can talk about a physical life. But either way, we've got to have that newness of life is what the scripture is telling us here. In order to move on. He talks about baptism. I like that. You know I do. Because I talk about it every week. We have to be baptized. Once you've been saved. Your next step is baptism. You have to die to your old self. And rise anew. That's not saying baptism saves you. What baptism is. Is an outer showing. Of what Christ has already done. On the inside of you, and so we are baptized, or we're buried with Christ in our baptism, and then we're raised from the dead, which resembles when we come back up out of the water through the glory of the Father, that we may live. A, everybody, say that next part: new life. Y'all are quiet on me this morning. <laughs> Trying to make sure everybody's still awake this morning. We are. We may live. And try it again. That we may live a new life. All right. That was better. So we're looking for that new life. That's what we're talking about today. So we're going to get to our points here pretty quickly this morning. I'm not going to try to drag this thing out. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And once again, I've been reading out of the NIV for this entire series. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was, there's that same word, zoe, life, and that life was the life of all mankind. Your first point in your notes, if you're taking notes this morning, only God can give true life. So that's your next fill in the blank there, if you're taking notes with us this morning. Only God can. Can give true life. And we've, I'm telling you, Wednesdays have been going up with this series great. That wasn't planned. It just kind of happened that way. But we've been talking about on Wednesday nights that Jesus, or the word written here, he was there in the beginning. Without him, nothing was made that was made. And through him, everything has been made. In him was, what's that word? Life. Y'all are quiet on me. See, I'm actually the you all to participate this morning. So in him was, what's the word? Life. Alright, thanks, Linda. The, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So Jesus was there in the beginning, he is God, yet he is the Son of God. So it's kind of that's the beginning of the Trinity, which we can't really explain, so don't ask me to get try with you. But it's one God represented in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what these verses tell us is that the Son was there in the beginning. Without him, nothing was made, but through him, everything was made. So now we've got Jesus who's going to come and bring that ultimate life unto us. John 12, 44 to 50 says, Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. Well, who is that? He's getting ready to tell you. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Therefore, or there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day, for I did not speak on my own. But the father who sent me. There's that person he was talking about. The one who sent me. The father who sent me. Commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So that whatever I say is just what the father has told me to say. So Jesus is telling us there. That hey. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to save you. Now there is a judge he says. And you'll be judged if you don't accept my words in the last days. But that's not me. I'm here to save you now. So Jesus is bringing that offering or that hope. See, here he had the sacrifice yet. But that's what he's referring to is that he has come to give us life and to give us that life more abundantly, which is a whole other scripture, which I don't think we'll be taking a look at today. But the one who looks at me and see is the one who seeing. Let's see. Let me say that again. The way the word is saying the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. So Jesus is kind of hinting at us too. Because remember, Jesus is our role model here. That we need to be, remember last week we talked about ambassador, we need to be a representation of God's kingdom here on the earth. So when people look at us, they ought to see God through us. Now that's not saying we're God's. But it's saying that they ought to see God in us. Just like Jesus is saying, the ones that are looking at me are seeing the one who sent me. And he goes down and he talks about that that is the Father. Moving on, John chapter 3, verses 13 to 18 says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Which he's referring to himself. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, So the son of man must be lifted up. And we're going to hit on that story in a later series. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Just so you'll know where we're going with the Moses snake thing that he's talking about here. In Numbers, and I believe it's chapter 22, there was a bronze snake that Moses had created because all of Israel had been bitten by poisonous serpents. And they were all going to die. And basically the only way that they couldn't die is that they actually looked At this bronze serpent serpent that was sitting up on the hill that Moses put where everybody could see it. So I'm sure that there were those at that point that said, oh, that's nonsense, and died. But then there were also those that took the time to get outside of their tent or get outside of themselves. Let's say it that way. Take a look at that bronze serpent and were healed at that moment. So that's his bronze serpent. We're not going to go into too much detail on that, but it's saying that that's a representation of the Son of Man who has come to save all people. Because just as the snake was lifted up in the wilderness, so also Jesus might needs to be lifted up. Because Jesus is now, instead of the serpent, Jesus is the one that we look to for our healing and for our salvation. So verse 15 says that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And now here's that verse y'all have heard since you were kids. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So point number two, if you're taking notes, God offers life or God offers that life through his son. That's what those verses just told us. The only way to life, Jesus just told us that. And check it out. See, a lot, and we've talked about this before. I know it was our first week we talked about salvation and we looked at these same passages just in a different translation. You've got people that'll sit out there and think God is out here to just judge them and cut them off and just leave them be. But this verse tells us, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I like reading on from there because a lot of people miss it. They say, for God did not send his son, this is verse 17, into the world to condemn the world. Huh, really? This society can tell you, man, God's just condemning you. He doesn't want you to have fun. That's the lie that we believe. But that is not actually the truth. God sent his son to save us. Because verse 17, like we said, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He wanted to give the the world a shot at hope. So he sent his son to die. Verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed. In the name of God's one and only Son. And that kind of reflects on the verses we just talked about. Jesus said, if you believe my words and what I say, then you're going to be saved. But there is a judgment, he said in the previous verses we looked at. There is a judgment for those who don't believe the words I say. But I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to save you, is what Jesus told us in our previous passages we took a look at. John 10, 27 and 30 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's hope for some of us. Because how many of y'all have ever woke up and you screw up in the day? And you know you screw up. And you're looking around like, oh, I did it again. And you find yourself repenting. And saying, hey, I'm in there. You know, we talked about it. I got a little bit of driving issues with the road. You know, do want to call it a road rage. Whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I moved to Tennessee. And those of you are listening from Tennessee... No offense, But I moved to Tennessee and it just increased because those people down there, <laughs> they were driving like crazy. Now, I'm not going to judge the whole state of Tennessee by some of the drivers I saw. But that type of stuff. So we need that repentance. We need to be able to come. So basically what he just told us is I know them and they follow me. Give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Not one of them will be snatched out of my hand. That's hope for the rest of us. Verse 29 says my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I am the Father. Now, here we go. Jesus is claiming something. Remember, we talked the first week when we first launched. We talked about either Jesus is who he says he is, or he's a raving lunatic who's out of his mind and blaspheming, and the Pharisees had every right to condemn him. Because what he's saying in verse 30 is, I and the Father are one. Those of you that want to claim Jesus is a prophet, out there, or even if you're, I don't know of anybody here that does that, but out there, if you're looking at that, he's more than a prophet. He's more than a good teacher. Jesus himself, if you're going to go by what he taught, him, and then he's a good teacher, has claimed himself over and over in Scripture that he is God wrapped in the flesh, which is why we celebrate Christmas, which is what we're going to be talking about on our next series here coming up next week. But he says, I am a father. Are one. We're going to read these last couple of verses. We're getting ready to wrap this thing up. Now we're going to quit this morning, aren't we? John 6, 35 to 40. says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Once again, that's hope for the rest of us. Even if we screw up royally in our mind. But we already are a believer. Now, talking to believers out there, if you haven't got to that point where you've been saved yet, we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. But if you're a saved, born-again believer out there and you screw up. Now, that doesn't say you go on trying to screw up. Remember our key passage today where, where Paul said, By no means, in verse 2, he talked about, shall we go on sinning so grace can increase? He says, no, that's not the purpose of God's sacrifice. But we look on down there, where did I stop there? Verse 38, it says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Check it out, he's going to tell God's will right here in the next part of the verse. That I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, remember we talked about the serpent just a few minutes ago, who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up. At the last day. He stands as our intercessor in heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. So when, how many of y'all have ever been there? You feel like you screwed up so bad. What is God going to think of you now? Now let me just tell you. The devil's right there next to him saying, you see what they did? You see what he did? God, do you see that? He said, yeah. But Jesus said, that's mine. That's mine. You don't. you can't touch him. That's still my kid. So how many of y'all, those of you who have raised kids in here, some of you are still raising kids like myself. Just because that child screws up, and they do it over and over and over and over, doesn't mean you love them any less. You still love them at the end of the day. They're still your kid. And no matter how bad they screw up, you still love them. But we've got to correct them, right? So it's the same way with this father-son relationship that Jesus is talking about. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up. At the last day. Your final point, point number three there in your notes, if you're taking notes, says we can only receive that life if we believe. We've said that over and over. So I'm even going to hit the points again real quick before we look at these last couple of verses. Only God can give true life. We talked about that this morning. We, we, people turn to all sorts of things to try to fill that void in themselves. And if that's you here or if that's you out there, you're never going to fill it with the alcohol, the drugs, any of this stuff that you might be tempted with. I don't want to go in because then I'll miss some and somebody will say, well, that's not me and I'm good, so I'm not going to list everything. But whenever that happens, only God can fill that void that's in your heart. Only God can give true life. God offers that life through his son. So the only way you can have that life, we've talked about this over and over, is through that sacrifice that Jesus, when he died on the cross, that's the only way you can have true and eternal life. is what the Bible teaches us. And we can only receive that life if we believe. The Bible tells us that if you believe Christ died and rose from the dead, you shall be saved. And that's what it's talking about. John 11, 25 and 26 says, Jesus said to her, and this is right after he rose Lazarus, or was getting ready to write, raise Lazarus from the dead. We're not going to look at the whole story of Lazarus, but I want to key in on what Mary was talking to her when he was talking to Mary here. Jesus said to her, because this is when she's like, "I understand, Lord, you're the resurrection, and in the last days He'll be raised up." Jesus is like, "Wait a minute." And this is His answer to her. Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die." And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked her a question. Do you believe this? So at this point, and he got hit, right after that, he rose Lazarus from the dead. He, he did what he, he was getting ready to come to do. He had been dead four days. We'll get to that story later, I'm sure, in another series. He'd been dead four days. Jesus shows up, asks her, do you believe this? And then she says, yes, Lord. It was her response, and he did exactly what he came to do. But the key there that I want to look at in that verse is the only way we can receive the life is if we believe. Jesus asked him, do you believe it? Do you believe this? Do you believe I can save you? Do you believe that my sacrifice was enough? And for those of you out there beating yourself up saying I'm never going to be good enough, for that, don't do it. None of us are. If you've ever even seen Christian born-again believers, I know some of them act higher and more mighty than they really are. But they're they're still human, just like you are. They still mess up. They still need the blood. They still need the sacrifice of Jesus in order to be born again. And the only way they can receive that is through the Son. So they're just like you. Don't let them feel like they're higher and mightier than you. It's not about that. So no matter how bad you think you've blown it, I'm here to encourage you this morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus' sacrifice is enough to save you. John 14, 1 to 6. Actually, we do have another point. I'm sorry.
1: Do not let your hearts be
0: troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Now check it out. Here's Thomas. Everybody knows him as Doubting Thomas. But let me just say, Thomas is just asking questions that we would have probably asked ourselves. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered that. Jesus' answer is the cool part. He said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Your final point. Sorry, I missed number four there for you. To receive that life. We have to ask. So if you believe it and you got that part settled, that gets covered in the faith portion that we talked about the first week. You got faith, God can do it. Do you believe it? If you say yes, then you've got faith. Now you have to receive God's grace or his sacrifice that he's given us in order to be declared righteous and to have. New life. That's how all of this is tying together. John 10, 7 to 10 says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate, or I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. He's talking about false prophets right there. But the sheep have not listened to them. If you're truly a child of God, you know when it's God's voice and when somebody's trying to deceive you. That's why we encourage here in our discipleship training be reading your Bible, be praying. You have to be building on that relationship with God so that you're ready when those false prophets come. But Jesus says, but the sheep have not listened to them. Verse 9 he said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Some of you know that verse from way back. I have come, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly is what some translations say. So Jesus is not coming to condemn. He's coming to save. he's trying to give you real life, new life. So the only way to get there, Jesus says, once again, this is why you can't just claim him as a good prophet or a good teacher. Because Jesus is saying, I'm the gate. I'm the way you get in. And he says it over and over throughout Scripture. We've just taken a look at some of them today. He says, I'm the gate. The sheep that come in, they know my voice, basically what he's saying. They know my voice, and they listen. But here's the catcher. When we listen. When we receive that free gift of salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. And this is the New King James Version. The only time I've made a switch this whole series. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. We're moving forward with what God has for you tomorrow and today. Behold, all things have become, same word, new. kinotics New or newness. They have become new. Linda, you can come play. We're getting ready to wrap this thing up. Today we've kind of tied it all up and hit on the fact that Hey, Jesus is the only way. But don't get mad at me. The Bible says it. The Bible taught us that. That was Jesus talking. That wasn't me. Jesus tells us He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. He says, No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the gate. The ones that know my voice, they will come. They won't follow all these false teachers that have come before me. They're robbers, they're thieves. And what did he say about the enemy? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now let me be real with you this morning, those of you here. See, this will knock some, if you're religious this morning and you're listening to me out there, this is going to knock you for a loop. But let me say, sin's fun for a short time. See, I've got to finish the statement. You can say sin's fun, but if you stop there, you're not getting the point. Sin's fun for a short time, but it always costs you something. Jesus says, I've got a way that you can have new life and not have to go through all that other garbage. That you can have real and true life and you can have it more abundantly. This morning, if you're sitting out there online, I'm talking to you right now and those here as well if you need it. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you've never heard a preacher come at you straightforward like Jesus did this morning. And I say Jesus because I was just reading the Scriptures. The scriptures is the one who told us He is the way. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. Maybe you were never told. I've had people come up to me that have been saved and are now baptized. But they're like, you know what? No other, so far members. I've never heard from a church. This is kind of it was a shocker. It's like all the churches they had been, they had never been told there was more to it than just getting involved. They had never been told there's something called salvation. They had never been told there's something called baptism. And there's an actual journey that we're trying to have in life. And if that's you this morning, I'm here to tell you. The journey starts when you allow that chain reaction to happen in your life which is the moment that you're saved you say dear Jesus I know I'm a sinner I believe you died on the cross for me and I believe you rose on the third day becoming victorious over death that I might live I ask you to forgive me of my sins come into my heart be Lord of my life from here on out I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And if you pray that prayer, I want to know about it. If you're online listening, go to our contact page. Contact us. Click there. There's a whole little section there where you can tell me what just happened in your life. I want to know about it. It'll send it directly to my email, and I would love to get back to you about your next step. Because let me just tell you all, right now, the next step's baptism. If you've been saved, you need to be baptized. That's your next step. That's following in Jesus' footsteps. If you've gotten both of those, you hear me say it every week as well, it's time to get involved with a fellowship. It's time to get involved with a group of people. If you're here at Next Level Freedom Church, that step is growth track. We take you through three growth track classes. I talked last week. The first two are about an hour and a half. The last one's about a half an hour. And we basically are trying to give you materials. We're talking about the vision of the church. The basis of Christianity. But we're also trying to give you things that can help you in your walk with God. That can help you in your Bible reading time. Your prayer time. All of that. That's the purpose of growth track. That's how you become a member here. From there, we'll go on trying to find what your gifts are so that you can begin serving with whatever gifts God has given you in the house. If you're tuned in our right now, I want to thank you for tuning tuning. Don't forget to contact me if you prayed that prayer. I would love to know about it. Go to our contact page. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be beginning a brand new series entitled The Perfect Gifts." As we get ready for this Christmas season, we're going to find out all these people that were just involved in that process taking place. Thank you, God bless, and I'll see you.